Should the Minnesota Vikings panic about what's going on on their offense? <laughs> I can't do this. Panic? Panic? What show do you think this is? You liked it on 3 1, 2, 3. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, hey, everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and hey, let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is a podcast listening place like SiriusXM, where you can find all Vikings games live streamed, by the way, but we're on their podcast app as well. You can also find the show on YouTube or Amazon Fire Roku if you just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much for my hashtag everydayers, those of you who do listen to this show every single day, and a special welcome to any new viewers as well. The season is underway, so I know a lot of new people are trickling in. I love you all. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Since the last time we talked, uh, the Vikings decided not to uh, sign Justin Jefferson to an extension just yet. I want to circle back to that at a time where we have more time to talk about it, but the essentials you need to know, they are all content to revisit this after the season and maybe do this in a different cap environment. There's a bunch of possible reasons for this to happen and reasons that I kind of don't feel great about it, but... Um, Point is, nobody seems to be upset about the whole thing. They all just kind of said, you know what? This is going to be better for both of us. Both sides have agreed. Both sides wanted to go uh, to delay this further. I think that helps JJ more than it helps the Vikings for whatever it's worth. But we got a game to break down. So I don't have time to go into that super deep with you. I will circle back to it, though. So uh, don't worry about it. And of course, we'll talk about it like a ton after the season, right? Uh, when when that decision is actually looming. Um, but... The Vikings played a football game, arguably, which they lost <laughs> 20 to 17. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in their their classic uniforms, which sucks to unveil those and then go kind of lay an egg and have like a sloppy game. But you know what? It's very classic Vikings. That's what I did. I put a YouTube short up that was uh, to that effect. It's like there is no more Vikings-y way to lose a game than to outgain your opponent by over 100 yards and then lose the turnover battle 0 for 3, 0 to 3, 0 to 3 turnover battle and uh, lose the game that way. And a couple of key penalties in there as well that really suck. Just that sloppy, stupid crap. You just can't do the stupid crap. So I do want to go over all three of those turnovers in detail, which I will do at the end of the show. But first, let me uh, address the titular question of this episode, which is, should the Vikings panic about their O-line? It's a resounding no. No, they should not. A million people are asking me, is it time for Dalton Reisner? No, it isn't. Um, and and to those people, I, I guess I challenge you. And I put it in the YouTube comments if you want. Um, tell me what the issue with the interior O-line is. And don't just say they're they're bad or they give up lots of pressure or they, you know, they get beat a lot. Be specific. Tell me what they're doing wrong. Do they lunge at it too much? Do they, you know, are they bad with their hands? Do they 
Uh, is there spacing wrong? Give it, take a shot. And I, I'm not just challenging you, the, the people who are, you know, experienced and, and know the sport at a deeper level. I'm, I'm challenging everybody. Take a crack at it, because even if you're wrong, that's okay. It's part of learning, right? Um, but for me, I didn't see the interior offensive line in terms of the who of it uh, be that much of a problem. When when we had a hat on a hat properly, those guys, I think, won their blocks a satisfactory amount of the time. You're never going to win every single block. That's not how football works. But I thought they did well enough when they had the right amount of people, right? Um, I think the problems happened either when the play just took too long to develop for whoever's fault that was, or when there were free rushers for whoever's fault that was. That's a different problem, and it's not a problem you really solve by firing someone. Um, and, and this is sort of the, uh, the, the grander point that I want to make really often, and considering that we're at the beginning of a new season, I think it's a good time to reiterate. When all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? When the only thing you can think of to solve a problem is to swap out a guy with a different guy, whether that's at the coaching level, at the player's level, the referee level, whatever, right? Uh, you're not going to be a particularly creative problem solver. And here on Locked On Vikings, I want to encourage people to be a little bit more creative as problem solvers. And if that means that you have to dive in and learn a little bit more of something about how O-line works, then that's also kind of the point. So I don't think firing someone makes you able to block two guys with one guy, right? The the strip sack that Antoine Winfield had against Kirk Cousins. CJ Ham had two guys to block because of the way the blocking math happened. Firing Ed Ingram does nothing about that. Dalton Reisner comes in and plays that the exact same way. Um, and I will talk about that one more in detail, as well as the Ed Ingram uh, snap exchange problem thing where he like actually kind of swatted the ball during the, the center's quarterback exchange and it caused a fumble there. Um, but I also don't necessarily think that's his fault, which I know is kind of a hot take, but bear with me on that. Um, but the, the solve here, if you're going to put yourself in the, in, in the position of being Kevin O'Connell, right. And saying, what do I do to fix this? Firing a guy, putting a different guy in and then running the plays all the same way, I think does nothing. I think it just puts a worse dude in that wasn't under contract before because people want to sign Dalton Reisner. He's not on a team, y'all. You will not solve many problems by just firing someone every time there's a problem. You got to think about really what the cause and what the root of a problem is. And for me, the offense really fell apart at the uh, at the end of the game and I think each play is kind of its own beast in that way. So when it comes to diagnosing problems, you have to go take that on a play-by-play basis, which I'll probably do something like that on uh, my Patreon page, patreon.com slash LukeBronNFL, or uh, I've already done a few of them on Twitter if you want to go look at that. My Twitter's LukeBronNFL. But for my money, I don't even know if I would say the O-line had a bad game let alone a fireable one. Now, here's the thing. And again, new season, so I got to repeat all these rules. For me, on this show, the Monday episode after a Sunday game is always going to be instant reaction, just kind of what my eye caught live. And all of this, I reserve the right to take it back once I've seen the tape, right? Maybe I'll click on the tape and I'll see all these major horrible O-line problems and maybe I was just slow to see it, in, in which case, yeah, sorry, I was slow to see it, but I'll, I'll catch up with you soon. But instead... 
more broad strokes about the offense. I will say Garrett Bradbury went down very quickly in the game, some kind of back injury. Now we're going into a short week, so I'm anticipating Austin Schlopman to start against the Eagles. Um, obviously, that'll be something we'll be watching really closely all week. Uh, Jordan Addison did get his first touchdown on a really fun play. That was a quarters beater. He just got behind the safety. The safety played it wrong, and Jordan Addison punished him. Really great ball from Kirk Cousins. Cousins himself, I'm really mixed on his game. Um, I thought he had... When he was in rhythm and on time, it was just like perfection. It was gorgeous and awesome, but it wasn't in rhythm and on time often enough for me. But that's also something that, again, I can't really like be 100% on until I've really seen the tape. So, I, again, reserve the right to kind of walk that back, but um, I'll call it mixed from him. Uh, and, of course, you know, three turnovers, whatever amount of fault you assign to him on each of them, Somewhere on the offense, there are issues that need to be cleaned up, right? Uh, and some of it is just genuinely bad luck. The offense only scored 17. Bucks have a good defense. We knew that going in. Um, but only 17 points in your home opener for a team that was kind of supposed to be, hey, look, we had this really explosive offense and we're basically running it back and all we did was add a better run game and, and we don't really care that we got rid of Dalvin Cook. That doesn't feel like it's really playing out. And guess what? The Eagles have a good defense, too. Uh, and you got to go play them now. And guess what? A lot of teams have good defenses. You got to be able to play against those. So it wasn't a good enough game from the offense. Uh, and what exactly is going wrong? I guess we'll develop a better opinion about that as the season wears on. But then there's also the defense. And the game the defense had has me genuinely concerned. Um, that is one that I think that there needs to be a pretty quick shift in the way that they approach the back end. And I'll talk more about that. Um, not in terms of who is playing, we're not firing people, but I do think that there's an adjustment that they could make that would pay, would have paid dividends in this game at least. And then I do want to go over those turnovers in like full detail before I do that. However, it is the fall September hiring surge. This is a time when a lot of people get uh, their resumes in. And if you are in charge of hiring, you got to go to LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is is rated number one among small businesses in terms of getting the right people into the right positions. And the reason for that is, A, it's like the biggest market online out there ever, right? Of course, it's LinkedIn. You've heard of it. <laughs> it oh, but also, they have all kinds of tools like screening questions that help you narrow down what will be a gigantic stack of resumes that's way too much for any human to actually thoughtfully review. It'll help you kind of pare it down into something that's a little more manageable and help you find candidates that are right for your job, your company, your culture. All of that is unique. This is not a cookie cutter thing, and LinkedIn understands that. So go to linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL, and you can post your job there for free. Just add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and you can spread the word that you're hiring. That is LinkedIn jobs, linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks so much to those of you who do listen to the show every single day. I, especially after losses, I appreciate y'all so much. Uh, let's move on to the defense and in particular, uh, there's there's kind of two things that I think are going to define this defense. I've been talking about them a ton. One, the blitzes and the way that Flores used blitzes, I thought was really interesting and it was a really cool idea. Um, he backed out of blitz looks a lot on third and down on third down. 
And I think that he basically, like in the first part of the game, the, the Bucks started 0, and 5, 0 for 5 on third down. And then they kind of picked it up later when the blitzes actually started coming. And I think the Bucks came ready with blitz counters. And that's one of the major reasons that they won this game. Um, because they were ready to counter the blitz. But when they dialed up their blitz counter play, and then we backed off and we weren't blitzing anymore, suddenly, you know, they're changing their answer from paper to scissors, but really we had called rock, you know? And I think that caused a lot of problems, either just checkdowns that then got tackled for not enough yards, or um, just straight up panicky kind of bad throws, or it just gummed things up enough where it gave Daniil Hunter time to get there for a sack on one of them. Um... That, I thought, worked really well, but when the blitzes actually started coming, the Bucks were ready to throw hot. There was a free rusher all the time. Schematically, the whiteboard sense of it worked the way it was supposed to. It got a free rusher, and that's all you can ask a blitz to do, is get a guy to hit, go hit the quarterback, but there, you cannot control whether or not the quarterback is quick at getting the ball out of his hands or not. We knew Baker Mayfield was, which kind of leads me to the second point, um, which is the coverage was bad dog i'm sorry that's i don't there's not really a reason to sugarcoat that they did a bad job of playing off man coverage um all the way from you know losing josh metellus losing mike evans letting him get behind him for a big touchdown um all the way to like other explosive plays and stuff but in particular honestly a great example is the last play of the game uh the last meaningful play of the game which was the, the Bucks got the ball with about four minutes to go and they killed the clock. The Vikings could not get off the field. They also gave up a 17 play drive elsewhere in the second half, meaning that in the second half, the offense got three possessions. They scored on one of them. One for three isn't actually that bad of a clip to score at, but three possessions is really, really low. And that's because the Bucks were able to chew a lot of clock once they had a lead and they just had a really long drive in the third quarter that the Vikings let them out of third downs, had a penalty on fourth down that uh, let them out. So that stuff sucks and is unacceptable. Um, but part of it is when you've got, say, third and six and you send a blitz because it's third down, baby, you're, you're not running. We're sending everybody. Um, as the corner, you have to be aware of where the sticks are and you have to play it aggressively. You're playing off-man coverage. You can't play it so aggressively that you go up into press and you try to jam him because if you lose off the release, he'll be open right away. And especially if it's cover zero, there's no safety over the top to help you. So if they can connect on a pass there, he will just run forever. He'll score. But when you're in off, you can afford to play a little bit aggressive because let's say you're 10 yards off. It takes 10 yards of cushion, right? And he's got to eat that up. That's going to take a few steps. That should give time the, the, the blitz time to get, get home. So even if you play it totally flat-footed, you play off coverage call it catch technique where you just stand there and let the guy run into you and try to be physical um you will even if you lose it'll take longer for you to lose than it would in press that's why you play off man but because you're playing off and you're playing with cushion you can lose you can play aggressive and if you get punished the punish kind of requires them to pick up the blitz to find it so that's, I think, the adjustment that I would make. It's not a big one. It's not a wholesale change. Change your alignment depths, I think. That was the, the thing, is, is you just align too deep or change your, cause, cause, uh, your, your like route breakoff depths to be at the sticks in these particular cases. So a lot of times when you're in off-man coverage, part of your game planning throughout the week is to um, watch a bunch of tape and say, hmm, they really like to break their routes off at 12 yards. 
right? Uh, certain routes will break off at at certain yardages, and you can kind of come up with all right. They like to they they usually will break start breaking off their routes around 14 yards. So at 14 yards, you know that's when you stop backpedaling. So you'll align at eight yards off, and then you'll backpedal to 14, and that's kind of like a game plan thing. So you're there's there's guesswork in it, and sometimes you're going to be wrong, and I fully understand that. Um, but I think shortening that up and saying, you know what, if they run a 14 yard route and they break it off and they get behind us on third and six, when we're sending a cover zero blitz, if the quarterback can buy all of that time and find that bless him, that is so much harder to do than what the Buccaneers had to do on that third. And I think it was third and 10 at the end of the game where it was, I think a five step drop, plant your feet, throwing out. It was timing, it was rhythm. I would even call it, it was close to quick game. It was a five-step drop and throw. There was absolutely no reading, hitching, nothing. First read was open because Makai Blackman backed off to, I think, 14 yards. So when I'm suggesting this, this is kind of how I parse out these games is I, I like instead of saying Makai Blackman bad, fire him, you know, that isn't, well, let's put Andrew Booth in. Like that doesn't, it isn't a productive solution. That's a lot more likely to just make the problem worse than it is to fix anything. Um, for me, the best way to think about it is to think, okay, I am Brian Flores. Put myself in his shoes and say, what would I do? And my answer to that is to just adjust the alignments and say, okay, let's backpedal to this instead of that. And that means you're going to have to be on your P's and Q's a little bit more. That means your job might get a little bit harder. But if you lose, that loss is going to take a lot longer to punish than the loss that we're talking about now. Um, you know, the, the, the way that losing when you play too far off is going to be a quicker thing to punish. And the last thing we want when we are blitzing is an option for the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands productively and fast. We can't let you have an 11-yard pass at the top of your drop when we're, when we're trying to send everybody. That's not going to work. That is, a, that is a formula that long-term will be a problem. And if they don't make any adjustment, not the, the, I'm an idiot. Like The adjustment I suggested is just what I know with my knowledge that I have absorbed through osmosis covering the team. I'm sure Brian Flores has way more sophisticated ideas about this, right? But I think something has to adjust on the back end. I think you do need to make some kind of change. Um, I, it could be a personnel change. I personally wouldn't. I don't know if, that, uh, if I have a productive suggestion there. But something about the way that they approach coverage on the back end of their cover zero blitz looks is wrong and broken. And if they don't change it, we're going to lose a whole bunch more games this way. I don't think that it's a panicky thing to suggest either. Like, this is a problem. Go fix the problem as you prepare for the Eagles here. And that's not something that takes uh, three weeks to get used to, right? You just go and say, okay, this week we're dropping to 11 instead of 14. And that's it. Boom. All right, short week. Let's go to the Eagles, right? Um, and let's just be a little bit more aggressive about it. I want to see the corners play more aggressively. I want to see them play with courage, play with the dog that these guys have. You know, this is what drove me nuts last year with Donatel. This is what drove me nuts with, you know, Xavier Rhodes when he got old and he lost his confidence. Corners have to play confidently. We didn't play confidently. The, the Bucks did play confidently. And honestly, that's probably the biggest difference in the game outside of turnovers and penalties. So let's just go ahead and just stick our fingers right in that wound and twist around, see what we can find. <laughs> uh, before I do that, though, I hope you guys won all of your grambles. If you have not done any grambling yet, you can go to FanDuel.com. And right now, new FanDuel customers 
can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Any $5 bet, whether you win or lose, you still get $200 back in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, any customer, whether you're new or not, if you bet $5, you will get $100 off of NFL Sunday Ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So now is the best time to join FanDuel. And if you do want to start watching the games on Sunday Ticket with YouTube TV, make sure you get that FanDuel account, get that $5 bet in, get your 200 bucks in bonus bets, get your 100 bucks off of NFL Sunday Ticket. Now is the best time to join. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and you can kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's trudge onward with this episode of the Locked on Vikings podcast so that we can get that much closer to putting this game in the garbage and uh, moving on to the next one. There is something that um, I have sort of added to my lexicon that I think is really valuable when it comes to sports, and that is just, you know what? Every day is a reset. Every play is a reset. Every week's a reset, whatever you know your, your unit of time is. But football can be weirdly forgiving in that way, which, you know, the next game starts 0-0. Yeah, the Eagles won their game and it was close and we lost our game and it was close. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they get an advantage, right? It's 0-0 to start. Complete reset. Everything that happened last week is gone. Um, which I think is a nice thing about uh, sports in general. And I think the week-to-week nature of the NFL makes it a little easier to kind of cope when your team doesn't live up to the expectations that you had set for them over a whole off-season's worth of hype, right? Perhaps a a harder sell for, like, Bears fans or, like, Giants fans than it is for Vikings fans. Hey, look, we had a fluky game. We turned the ball over a bunch. Uh, You know, if, if anybody knows that... What like wh- how to look at something and and decide if it's sustainable or not? <laughs> We've got a lot of experience, um, but let's talk about those turnovers. And I want to break them down a little bit. So the first turnover that happened in this game was um, that the Vikings had a. I think this was actually in the red zone. Uh, they had it was either a run play or it was going to be play action. Hard to know. A problem on the center quarterback exchange. Upon replay. It turned out that Ed Ingram, when he took his first step, his hand kind of flew out and hit the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands. So when you're teaching zone blocking, which whether it was a real run or not, it doesn't matter because it should be the same thing every time. You need to get lateral space, right? This is what Ed Ed Ingram's trying to do here. He's trying to get his body, big-ass O-line body, to move from where he is to another spot. (laughs) And he's trying to get lateral really fast. Lots of horizontal movement. And to do that, um, you want to sort of lose ground to gain ground is the way that they say it. So your first step will actually go a little bit backwards. This is why he stepped on Cousins' foot the other time too. And he's just the unluckiest dude, right? Um, and that step was, I think a little bit too far back, which was the note that I said at the time, but that, that, this is kind of the same deal. Um, so when you step backwards, you also need to get your body from your stance where you're facing forward. You kind of need to get it facing horizontal. You need your shoulders and your hips and everything to move. So the way that they'll teach this to in like youth to like young, young kids is to like pull the chainsaw, like pull the lawnmower and get your hand to sort of fly 
backwards, and that will sort of pull the rest of your body with it. And that's what Ed Ingram is doing. That is why his hand flew the way that it did. And I'm honestly, I bet if you watched every single play, he does that every single time. It has never happened before until now. So if I were Chris Cooper and I were looking at that play in the film room going, okay, Ed, what do we talk about? What do we do here to prevent this from happening in the future? I think a perfectly reasonable answer is let's not change the way you come out of your stance that you've been drilling for 15 years. Let's maybe not make that change. This probably just won't happen again. <laughs> like, I don't know. You can get really mad at me if he knocks the ball out of Cousins' hand another time. But this is its just really bad luck. Your hand goes like that every single time you come out. The fact that it hit the ball, I don't know. It, every guard does that, and it never happens to them. This was just a really unlucky thing. I don't know if you as a Vikings fan, especially those of you who have been watching the Vikings for a long time, I don't know if you've ever experienced an unlucky thing before, but they don't tend to repeat themselves. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to be a productive problem solver, right? What do we do about this? A, a valid answer is nothing. That just probably won't happen again. And anything we do is probably going to do more harm than good because it's an overcorrection. So let's move on to the second one, uh, which was another fumble. This was a strip sack that the Vikings took on a blitz. Um, so the Buccaneers threatened seven, ended up sending five, but they backed two guys off. This is a, a classic Todd Bowles blitz, very similar to Brian Flores blitzes. I think those two guys have reputations as, you know, blitzing, you know, aggressive, crazy guys, Bowles in particular, the Super Bowl season. We talked about it all last week. So when he sends, um, a linebacker up the middle and then he sends a safety up the same gap. The way that the protections worked out, I did a whole breakdown on this on Twitter if you want to see it. Um, the way that the blocking math works out, it puts CJ Ham in a two-on-one situation. He has to, he, when, when you're in a two-on-one situation, which will happen to you as the back sometimes, that, sometimes it just works out that way. You're taught, okay, read inside out. And that's what Ham does. He reads inside, he blocks the innermost man, most dangerous man is a way to put that. And then the least dangerous man on this, and that's not a slight against Antoine Winfield. It's just the nomenclature that like offensive line coaches use because he's the furthest away. He's the least dangerous. That's all that means uh, is Antoine Winfield. And he comes in and, and makes the hit. Meanwhile, Cousins is reading a concept the, the Vikings have called flag on the front side of the play. And all flag is is a corner route from the two, which is TJ Hawkinson running out of the slot. And a return route, which looks like it's going to be a stick, and then it turns back inside, or a, a stucco, I think is, is another word for it, um, run by Jordan Addison. So the, the stucco by Jordan Addison is the first read. Cousins reads that, comes off it. He's about to throw to the second read, which would have been very open, and he's about to throw it, and he gets hit at the windup. It's a strip sack, right? So again, in terms of let's be productive problem solvers, what's going to happen here? Um... It's really hard. I think it was a little slow to get to that second read. I think either read it faster, develop it faster for the receivers or whatever's quicken up the timing one way or another. Whoever you put that on uh, would be my suggestion. But uh, also, it's just tough when they send that blitz and you've got a longer developing thing because it's uh, third down and six. It sucks. Um, the third one is a little more straightforward. It was the interception. KJ Osborne kind of didn't have it on the goal line. He came out after the game and he said he never really had it. So to me, I put that on. Okay, that's a dropped 
interception then. Not unlike the one the uh, Kadarius Tony had against the Lions, where he dropped it and it fell into a, a, a defensive back's lap. This one was the same. It's just that the defensive back was closer and it required less bad luck to actually fall into the defensive back's lap. But Cousins threw it a little bit behind KJ Osborne. Uh, he later would say he did that on purpose because he was trying to throw it underneath a safety that was driving on it, which is fair. O'Connell said he didn't really like that uh, ball placement. He said kind of something different after the game. I think that they both are saying something totally valid and reasonable. And this is absolutely a subjective and kind of a judgment thing. So I, I definitely see both sides of that where I see why you threw it behind. You, maybe you didn't have to throw it that much behind and that's for those two to work out amongst themselves. But I think it's a perfectly valid thing to disagree on. Either way, Osborne adjusts, makes the catch kind of in his body instead of making it with his hands. It clatters off his pads and, and the D-back is there. And so I kind of put that one on, on KJ as much as I put it on Kirk. If But it kind of depends on how you felt about that ball placement, which is pretty subjective. And eye of the beholder. So, look... Again, football is a weirdly forgiving game in that every day is a reset. If the Vikings want, they can show up on Monday, have a glorious day of practice. They can show up on Tuesday, have a glorious day of practice, then travel to Philadelphia and win. If they've got that in them, we will not care about this Bucks game anymore. That's what this is. Game is 0-0. Go beat the Philadelphia Eagles and we don't care anymore. Lose to the Philadelphia Eagles and we're 0-2 and now we got to have other conversations. Different thing, right? And we'll have to take it all as it comes. Um, the thing I don't have a lot of patience for, though, is people... I mean, I get people are overreacting in the in the heat of, of a frustrating loss, but people who kind of say, ah, oh, well, they're not a Super Bowl contender. All right, well, it's over. Goodbye, season. To those people, I say, stop watching. This isn't the sport for you. Uh, this isn't a sport for quitters, and that's a quitter's mentality. So uh don't be a quitter and i'll see you for twitter tuesday tomorrow get your questions in if you want to ask me something you can leave a youtube comment you can uh, send it to me on twitter at luke brown or at locked on vikings send an email to locked on vikings podcast at gmail.com or uh there's a google form in the show notes that you can also go uh fill out so i'll get your questions however i get them and i'll answer them tomorrow and as always skull <laughs>